Happy Friday, drag lovers. This week's guest is Chris Trukin, a.k.a. Molly Kewell. We chat about music, fashion, I learn what marathon drag is, and so much more. Chris is charming and charismatic, and I'm sure you will be as beguiled by Chris's historical knowledge of queer spaces as I was. Important note, there are quite a few swears in this episode, so shield your children accordingly. On with the show. Okay. Okay. Welcome, Chris Tukin, a.k.a. Molly Kewell to Sarnia Famous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Now it's uh, Trukin with an R. Trukin. Trukin. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I did get called Tukin in high school, though. <laughs> Sorry. I thought I said the R, and uh, I get nervous. I'm so always so worried about people's last names. But thank you for correcting me. I would much rather that than um, you going away from this, like, that bitch didn't get my name right, ah, type thing. <laughs> um, so we met, we were just kind of talking about this very briefly um, before we started. We met, actually, at the first after the first birthday party of my show, Sarnia Famous, and you guys had had a drag show at uh, Refined Fool before then, so we'd met at Mods at, at the after party, I guess you could say. Wow. And what a, what a show and what an after party it was. It was, uh, <laughs> I was definitely celebrating, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember just being, just in love with your drag because... You were wearing this sparkly outfit and these glorious heels and you had a full furry chest. And I, yeah. I love that. And um, forgive me if the term's wrong. Maybe it's changed. Uh, gender fuck. Is that still yeah. the term that they're using nowadays? Yeah. And for my drag, I, I would say gender fuck. And also a lot of people call me bearded lady because half the time okay. I have a beard. And there's like a bit there. It's what's cool about that word is that there's quite a history in like old American freak show culture of like a bearded bearded lady and I'm sure it goes to other countries and back further as well I'm sure I should really do some research on that <laughs> yeah no I'm super curious I wasn't familiar with that term but that has mm. always been my favorite kind of drag like gender be damned just anything goes yeah. whatever feels good let yeah. it happen I love that has your drag always been that that style? Yeah, well, I go in and out of it because when I was in, in middle school and high school, well, when I was quite young, I really enjoyed, you know, dancing around to girly music. I felt like I was a Spice Girl or a Pussycat doll. Like, that's what I saw, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, all my best friends were women. I was raised by only women. And um, around high school, I started to get uh, when the puberty hit, I started to become very hairy. And it took quite a long time for me to become comfortable in that very masculine body. Probably it took till the time I was about 23 or 24. And then I started the drag at 26. Ooh. And I'm currently 30. So when I started the drag, I was going through this kind of dilemma of like, oh, I, I spent all this energy and time getting used to my male body and now I have to revert back to shaving and trying to look more feminine and things like that. And then about a year into me doing the drag, something clicked where I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to be Harry Queen and honor my true body. And it's not about, for me, it's not about the body. It's more about the mannerism. 
I, what I like to say is I perform in such a way or I carry myself in such a way that the hair, there comes a point where you almost forget that I, I'm hairy under under that, you know? Um, I love that. I Oh, I almost forgot. So I get so excited. Drag is very near and dear to my heart. Um, so I get so excited for these interviews that I forget. There was a game gifted to the show. It's called Which One? Basically... You choose which one you would prefer of the two choices, and then tell me why. Um, awesome. First question, and you don't have to explain why you choose one of these, but which do you prefer, red or blue? Oh, oh that's hard. Let's say blue. Blue? Okay. So now I'm going to read... Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to read these two options to you. Just tell me which you would prefer and why. Would you rather drink from a toilet very random or oh, or sneeze every time you blink definitely drink from the toilet the toilet right yeah um it's pretty they always say that toilet water is pretty clean i guess not right out of the bowl and there's a there's a a, a loophole there it doesn't say you know you could drink it out of the top of the toilet <laughs> this is the thing that i love the most about this game is that people automatically start thinking of the loopholes. Like, okay, neither yeah. of these are great, but if I can find one with a loophole, then then why not? I love there it. There you go. <laughs> such a rant, like, just such a weird, weird thing. I always mention this one because it, it sticks out to me. There was one uh, episode where the question was, never watch TV again or have a hamster the size of a house. Oh, my God. Now, the hamster the size of a house is probably the best bet because it will live very long. It won't live very long? Is that what you said? Yeah. The hamsters <laughs> only live two years. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Why am I laughing? That's so horrible. I did not know that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because are really short lifespan. Oh, and I still, like, two years with a giant hamster sounds like a nightmare. Like, I'm cool with no more TV. But you might get on TV. With yeah. a giant hamster. True, true. Then what? <laughs> Guinness World Book of Records. Make uh, some money on that hamster. Right? What What a two years it would be. Oh, my word. Okay, thank you for indulging me on that one. I love that. <laughs> and thank you, Brent, for giving us the game to the show. Okay, so let's keep going. Do you think that there is a favorite ensemble that you like for your drag or routine or a song, like what what, um, mm -hmm. what would be your favorite thing to perform? You know, I've always really been into the Pussycat Dolls, the Spice Girls, the girl groups. Mm -hmm. There was then a group in the, uh, two, they came out in 2009, a K-pop girl group. They're mm -hmm. called 2NE1, spelled like two and N and E and a one. Okay. And they were kind of the third group that really got me interested in choreography, fashion, music videos, all this stuff. But my drag persona didn't really finally come into being because everything, everything I love kind of just added up to drag. Like it was like drag is kind of a vehicle for all of my passions and my talents. And uh, I, I was working, uh, I was going to film school and every summer I was working on a farm here in Guelph as a gardener and a helping hand with uh, the cows and stuff and I would work with my headphones in and I discovered uh, a record label on 
SoundCloud. They're called PC Music. And uh, they're from the UK and they make basically pop electronic dance music, but it's it's almost like a parody or a, uh, an analysis of those genres hmm. of in the future, sort of. And uh, there was this artist called Sophie and uh, all, all capitals, just one name. And she has this sound. It, it sounds very, it's all electronic, but it sounds very kinetic. Like it sounds like elastic bands and, you know, whip cracks and pots and pans and things like this, but it's very pop. Hmm. And, and so there was something that happened that was around 2014. And I had already done drag once or twice by then just to dress up and perform because I loved it. But then that, that song, the song came out and it was leaked song and it didn't come out officially for another year or two. It was called Fizz by Sophie. It's spelled V-Y-Z-E-E. -E. I mean, I'm Canadian, so excuse me. V-Y-Z-E-E. -E. And uh, uh, so th there was something about that song where it clicked. And I had a whole list of names and I had sort of characters built. And then uh, this song, Fizz, is about mixing things and, and, it, and it bubbling and fizzing. So that was when I was like, Molecule. Like, I, I saw a mad scientist. I saw a raver, because Molly is like, you know, a, a rave drug. Uh, <laughs> like, ecstasy. It's like code word for ecstasy. And then, and then so yeah, that it came to fruition then. And then my first performance I ever did was Molly doing Fizz by Sophie and I had a necklace it was like a big glass bulbs that I had found at a thrift store and I had one ingredient in the necklace and at the climax of the song I injected another ingredient in and it fizzed all over oh. my outfit Wow, wow, wow. So that's like that's like my staple performance I, I'm in a lab coat and then underneath I have like a raver girl and I have it on my, I could send it to you. It's on YouTube and Instagram. Yes, please. Yeah. We could use that as uh, your promo on TikTok if you wanted. Oh, if I don't have ADHD already, that app will give it to me. <laughs> because, because like, our, our, I feel like every gener every few years, something comes out and our attention span gets shortened. Mm -hmm. And like Andy Warhol predicted this, that we'd all have our 15 minutes of fame and, and it's very true, and now we all have the 15 seconds of attention span. Yeah. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh, that is depressing. Uh, <laughs> I'm interested about film school. Tell me more Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, in uh, high school, or in middle school, actually, my mom got us a, a video camera for, uh, at home, and we were just like, me and my, she's like, oh, it's for uh, family events. And, and my friends were like, yeah, okay, sure snatched it <laughs> mate spent like three or four years making videos just being goofy you know but i think it was like between 2002 2006 then i got a computer around 2006 2007 and, and she got me for my birthday a digital camera so then i started to teach myself to edit and i was sure i was going to be a youtuber and everybody around me was like oh like you are doing so much. You're always creative. You're always making movies. Why don't you go to film school? So by the time I was about 19, I finally decided I wanted to try film school because that was kind of all I had 
in my mind in terms of like post-secondary and so I did a year of general media and then when I turned 21 I like I took a break when I turned 21 I went back for film and television at Humber uh, I was 24 I guess when I graduated 2017 and I was I hated it. by the time I graduated I hated it oh, no <laughs> well there were certain aspects of film that I liked I preferred editing I preferred a bit of directing I preferred some writing and sound what seemed to be the number one and like a bit of an audiophile I guess is the word yeah I left with a job and like basically we were making props like I I, I got it I was um an internship where uh, that I got we were supposed to have a certain amount of internship hours, and then I started doing this job. It's like a factory job, very startup millennial. So I was making props, and that lasted about a year. And, and through that, I was starting to, that, through my last year of film school, and through that year of making props and stuff, I wouldn't shut up about drag. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, "Okay, when are you going to do it?" Because we're really sick Please. of hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and and then uh, I didn't do any work in film much uh, I did a couple like side projects that helped out with sound I helped out with P uh, PA all things like this but I found it difficult because the industry is very hurry up and wait and it's quite uh, there's like quite a hierarchy Hi hierarchy hierarchy that's a hard one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that you're saying it I'm like I don't even know if I could say it okay there, yeah and, 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 and you know I I don't regret not getting into film right after because I could still. And also thinking about it, the hierarchy being the turnoff is like kind of funny because almost every industry has that in some way mm -hmm. built in, like the drag industry, definitely. <laughs> now I'm just trying to figure out what the next step is four years later or six years later. That I think is a very relatable thing for most <laughs> of us. I'm curious, though, when you say audiophile, what is it about the audio side of things that appeals to you? Well, it's it really comes from my love for music. Mm. And then somewhere along the lines, I really started to appreciate music videos and also underscoring of film and trying to find some piece that a musical piece that emphasizes the mood or flows beautifully from scene to scene, just things like that. And uh, music, in general, has saved my life so many times, you know. My parents got divorced when I was around six, and, and the Spice Girls, like, got me through. <laughs> and, uh, and then after that, oh, and Aqua, oh. uh, the Vanga Boys, like, it was all that European techno-pop really helped. <laughs> Again, very, very, very relatable. Immediately when you said underscoring and then the flow of things and you said it much more eloquently than I am right now, but I thought there's a direct connection to drag because mm -hmm. that is, I, I mean, to me, I would think a very large part of it because you're portraying through music a story. Do you mm -hmm. think the same thing? Like, is it a, is there a drag connection to that underscoring piece? Oh, oh definitely. Like, so... Somewhere in the, like around 2006 is when I sort of discovered K-pop. Mm -hmm. And that's very music video based. And to me, mm -hmm. pop music, which has always been like my biggest 
my my most favorite thing ever has been pop music uh, and all different of all different types and to me it needs a pop culture pop music needs a visual to go with it and drag is a an analysis of pop culture of oh. the current of current or you can you know do a throwback you know things like that you, you're picking references from so many places so basically I there was a minute where I wanted to direct music videos and then mm. I sort of became the subject of my own it's like it's like producing a musical or a performance or a, a play or a music video or something like that there definitely is for a lot of performers a beginning middle and end and also one of the biggest inspirations that a lot of queens and kings of my age would reference is Lady Gaga because her performances were so grand and had a beginning, middle, end. Like if, if the one that comes to mind, the most iconic one is uh, she, one of the music awards. She did Paparazzi and it is an ode to kind of uh, the Princess Diana story. Mm-hmm. And uh, halfway through the performance, her dress started to bleed on her. <laughs> and so things like that were just like, a, you know, 13-year-old gay brain just exploded, like, seeing that, you know? And I'm sure the generation before us, Madonna, kind of did that with her videos and her performances. I, I love what you said, though, about it being an analysis of, of pop, or of, of, how did you word that? Analysis of yeah, pop no. culture. Yeah, I said it right the yeah. first time, that drag is an analysis of pop culture. Uh, that's pretty deep. Well... It's, it is just, it is what it is. Like uh, some people will say that drag is ever shifting with the zeitgeist of, you know, queer culture. And also we're sort of not the gatekeepers, but like a history keeper, something where basically you go to the, if you were to go to a gay club at the time of, you know, if you were to go 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and now you would see quite a difference in what, the community is interested in seeing mm-hmm. what we yell louder for <laughs> what we throw money more money for you know things like that unfortunately now there's a lot of controversy because drag has become a little bit what people are saying is like more like stripper culture which that's why there's controversy about like oh young people at like underage people at drag shows and like things like that because it can be quite over the top but i think drag has always been sexual and and dark and and pushing limits like that for me that's what art should do mm-hmm. and if you're underage get the hell out yeah 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 unless it's all ages event that's different and and then that's you know a, a combination of parenting and the artists that are on stage knowing knowing what your venue is you know you're not if you're at drag story time, you're not going to, you know, be super provocative. But if you're at yeah. a bar doing a drag show, it's mm-hmm. different. And a person mm-hmm. should know when it's appropriate to bring an underage person. But in America, especially right now, you know, when they're trying to distract from one thing, mm-hmm. they can they can get everybody riled up about something else that is like an important conversation. But it's also like very nuanced and there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of people involved in if there is an issue there's more than one person at fault in in a sense it's unfortunately the queer community 
and drag drag especially right now is definitely under fire for for uh being provocative and all artists provocative Nicki minaj got her things hanging out on shows you know <laughs> katie katie perry on, on sesame street like you know what i mean like it's wild to me yeah it the sex sells and that's not just in in the drag community not- that's for sure well, that's the problem. Is they don't want queer sexuality yeah. infiltrating the minds of their youth because they think we have an agenda to to, <laughs> to convert people. <laughs> yeah. We got enough. We're not trying. We're to good. We're, we're full up. Thanks. We don't. We don't need your your children. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So okay, how about are you are you a RuPaul Drag Race fan? Oh yeah. Um, well, actually, funny enough, this is the first year where it's just. There's just so much drag race, like at the at the moment at this present moment. There, I think we just finished UK season four. Currently, is Canada versus the world. I think Italy season two is on. Oh. There, there's literally like four seasons. Oh, then there's another show called Dragula, and then <laughs> I, yeah, that one's all punk, girl, oh, like okay. and punk. And then there's a Canadian show called uh, Call Me Mother. Mm. And I have friends on that show. Oh, so cool. it's just like, it's just like, I can't, I have a hard time finishing a full YouTube video, <laughs> let alone sitting and watching all these shows. Like, <laughs> I have to be honest, I've only, I've only watched the original RuPaul and RuPaul All-Stars and that, that's it. And that was a lot to get through. Um, where I'm going with this is, I think, a, a fun question is which house would you fall into if they're like of the queens that have been on RuPaul? Do you have a house or a, a drag mother Someone that would be, would be for well? The show? I really like so my the, the type of music I do is definitely very specific to me, but mm-hmm. in terms of the personality and the fashion, I really like queens like um adore delano Mm -hmm. she's from season six she was like the the really good singer she's like punk you know Mm -hmm. um i like people like evie oddly Mm -hmm. uh i'm also a little bit flexible like i took gymnastics and dance for eight years so i could do some of that flexible stuff um also i mean who else would it would be good from drag race that i would like uh willow pill is from the more recent season Okay. From the season fourteen, that's what like Evie Oddly's sort of sister, drag sister. Oh, okay. Basically, basically the queens are a, a little more raw, a little more experimental, goofy, like uh, things like that. Like I want, I would want to be surrounded by people who uh, do something similar, and I and I am currently, which I'm very lucky. That's. That's the biggest thing about drag is the community that we serve and the community that we build. Mm-hmm. I Evie oddly stands out so much in my mind from that show. I remember yes. feeling uncomfortable, but yes. mesmerized, especially yes. the the things that were going on with the body and the backflips and the like. It yeah, mm-hmm. and so unique and. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, that stands out in my mind. I'll have to look up Willow Pill. I'm not familiar with with season also, fourteen, I guess. Yeah. So Dordalano, Willow Pill. Check out who else is uh, also from uh, 
Oh God! Did you watch season twelve? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Oh, I can't, I'm having a brain fart about the name, but she had she was very clowny. She had really big, overdrawn lips. She was like top three. Oh, I'm gonna Google that right now. Adore Delano. I remember being absolutely stunning. Is it the one with the blue eyes and the dark hair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. Yeah, yeah. And can babe. sing like crazy, and then and then, Josh, her mom was Latin. Also, you know what? Who I really, I do really like the divas and like the quirky divas. Like I like Valentina a lot. Mm. Like I love somebody who is so delusional and like well <laughs> good, good at selling it too. Like charming and gorgeous and like just on another planet. That's like that's, Valentina for for sure. She lives it, but that's the thing. The difference between mm-hmm. somebody like that and me is I'm quite. I like to think I'm quite grounded. Mm. Uh, and that even when I go out to a show, like the way I'm talking now is not too different from how I talk in drag. And uh, a lot of like my social skills and my social, my, the things I, I like to talk about and the way I like to act is like very, very close to drag. The only thing is it's turned up a little bit for performance sake and like I'm a, a little more feminine, obviously. So yeah, somebody like Valentina, she just believes what she's selling and it's just it's like mesmerizing mm-hmm. absolutely you know? so there's it sounds like and please correct me if i'm getting this wrong it sounds like there's a lot of yourself in your stage persona then yeah i well what i and i put this i put it in this these were i put it in these words to other drag artists because sometimes it's fun to see if they resonate i say i think that drag is sort of like creating a superhero that you needed as a child oh my gosh yeah yeah so like you kind of are it's like it's like expressing that that you know when i when i say the spice girls and the Mm -hmm. pussycat dolls and 21 these were they their music and and their performances and aspiring to dance like that and be on a stage like that like got me through so much Mm. and and so now this character i've created whether consciously or subconsciously all the time is probably somewhere in between where it's really it's like it's like a comic book character a superhero you do have your your you know your costume you wear while you're on stage while your war paint you know and then and then you have your look outside of drag and and uh in the drag world though people still when you show up out of drag it takes people a second to realize who you are but then they will call you your drag name so because it's hard to remember everybody's (laughs) other name as well we all have multiple names this the yeah because you were saying at the the start that most people call you molly is that Mm -hmm. because most of the people that you hang out with are part of your your drag community as well Mm -hmm. yeah i mean other than my day job most of my friends are you know either they come to the shows they're fans of drag or they're people I work with or create with and there's times when I'm more busy in drag and I hear I I, people call me Molly more often than I hear the name Chris so when I hear the name Chris I'm like it's jarring sometimes (laughs) although November I took off but I'd say obviously like June September, October, we're all extremely busy, like six to eight shows, which 
for somebody with a day job who doesn't drive, that's a lot to, to juggle. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think so. Wow. Um, so you took, you took November off. That was just kind of self care. I'm just going to do my day job and give drag a little break type thing. Well, it was sort of a mix. It was a mix of like, it is gig culture. So mm. you kind of, there is like a, a supply and demand kind of situation. And I didn't have many people reaching out to me through November. And then there was a Pokemon, new Pokemon game coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought, you know what, we're going to just like, we're going to just say this is my relaxed month. I took some overtime hours at work. I went on a few more dates because that's the thing when, when you're doing drag, mm. you know, you socialize with your friends, but you don't get to see your family. You don't get to go on dates like if you're single. So it is nice to kind of make space for that sometimes, but then you start going, getting bored because like you miss the high of performing and being creative. And Yeah, I could see dating being somewhat difficult when you have a day job and then you're also doing gigs mm-hmm. on the evenings and weekends, I would assume, is when you're, you're doing that stuff. Yeah, well, part of it too is that drag is so hard on the body. So... Mm-hmm. If you're if you're a bit slutty like I am, <laughs> that you I I I'm very much like I like to have everything planned so that I can hype myself up so that I could, you know, be a little plan things ahead with like oh well like my skin isn't going to be so bad for that date, you know, type thing. So uh, yeah, because that's the thing, especially with somebody very hairy like me. I used to do the just I used to keep the beard and drag. But somewhere along the line, I started to really enjoy having a full face of makeup. But then my skin and doesn't enjoy the full face of makeup <laughs> and the shaving and the shaving. Mm. So yeah, I say, oh yeah, I might feel prettier with my facial hair out of drag, but I feel prettier without it in drag. And that's just sort of my expression right now uh, in terms of the drag. Mm. And yeah, dating is hard when you look like a raccoon from mascara that you can't get out of your lashes for three days and you know you, you want to feel healthy and cute you know yeah, you yeah. raccoon maybe so. isn't the vibe you want to no. no. unless you're dating another raccoon i don't know but yeah if you're into that kind of thing there's no judgment here <laughs> so then how do you pick your your uh outfits and is there something that you are coveting uh an ensemble that you're thinking about that you haven't quite gotten yet have anything custom so everything i have is bought either online through like rave gear or you know sheen or like you know those Mm -hmm. cheap fast fashion things uh, you know, H&M, things like that. Or I, I worked at a thrift store for two years. Mm. I worked, unfortunately, with Salvation Army, and it was homophobic. But, you know, what? Uh, I was gay. I was gay. They were homophobic towards me, but the whole, the company, especially in America, has homophobic tendencies. You know, they, they donate some money to homophobic uh, causes and things like that. But I like to think that I was working from the inside, taking, taking them down from the inside with my... T- creating a whole drag wardrobe at a very low cost. (laughs) And my mom was a big thrifter because we didn't have a lot of money. We moved to Guelph uh, after the divorce, just her and I, and and didn't have a lot of money. So my mom's side of the family, like they all lived through the depression in Holland just after the depression. 
So they were all good at secondhand and hand-me-downs and so garage sales, things like that. So I have, you know, I have my boy room here where I'm living now as well. And then I, in the other room, I have all my drag. It needs its own room. I love that. Because that's how much shit there is. And, you know, <laughs> some, might, some might call me a hoarder. I call it a collector. <laughs> but I, I, to the point where I can actually almost rent stuff out to other people. So, you know, I've had friends get on TV shows and be like, can I come and look at your jewelry? And I send them with a bag of accessories and jewelry for to to you know dress up their looks and so yeah in general i don't think i have any specific fashions maybe just like more sh a lot more new shoes i love new shoes but i think some custom outfits would be really cool but custom is a lot it's like you know 20 times the price of a dress at, at value village so that's the problem. If you could get an outfit <clears throat> custom made that would be the perfect outfit, what do you think that would look like? Well, I have this idea that I'm working on, but it's, I don't even, I had a friend draw it, but he's yet to show me. It's almost two dimensional and it's totally all smiley faces. Mm. Like think of like, if you were to take a Barbie and then you were to sort of just cover it in smiley face stickers. <laughs> And like I wanted to do something kind of asymmetrical where it's like one leg is covered and then one shoulder is kind of bigger. And then uh, there's some tearaway moment, like very, uh, uh, when I say two dimensional, I mean like as opposed to it wrapping around my body, it's almost like a, a paper a paper doll. Mm. Like, you know, the, pa yeah, like something like that. Mm -hmm. That's my, one of my, one of my ideas. Things like that. I, ha I have, I used to sketch things out. But now that I have all my outfits, hundreds of dresses and skirts and tops and stuff, it's a matter of putting things together. And then I have like almost a staple, you know, 20 or 30 staple costumes. And then a lot more just kind of waiting to be purposed mm. or sold or traded or gifted or things like that. Knowing your love of music, when you were describing the the smiley face dress, I was thinking, mm -hmm. what was the song or songs that mm -hmm. got that idea in your head? Well, yeah, it's almost every look almost has like a playlist. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like there, there is one song that inspires one, the look and then the playlist sort of follows. Because like in Toronto, there's something that they do there that's kind of specific to Toronto it's called marathon drag hmm. where basically you get up on stage in a look and as opposed to just doing one number going and changing you do like five or six numbers oh my god and it's very exhausting no but it's shit. like it toughens you up and it makes you understand pacing and things like this but uh the one so the song that the smiley face number that came to mind it was called um la la land it's by Green Velvet, but also, you know, you can throw in something like, oh, uh, something stupid, like, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, <laughs> like something just like clowny and like something psychedelic, yeah. you know, absurd. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So have you ever done this marathon drag thing? Yeah, I've done a couple times. Um, actually, there's even sometimes it's even worse like there's a show i did in uh because i used, i started dragging toronto a friend of mine selena vile 
she had a show at the Beaver, which was like one of our favorite bars. It's now closed, but it was like a very divey, queer bar, punk. And uh, they, she had a show on there called Vile Tuesdays. And she quit all her jobs and was hustling, hustling, hustling to make all her income on drag. And every now and again, she would crash and burn because she was pushing herself to the limit. And she would have kind of a list of performers, kings and queens, to come and cover for her. Mm. And so for this Vile Tuesday show, I went, I got to cover for her a few times. And that was two hours of, you would literally just plug your phone into the mixer. And then you would turn the mic on and off between numbers and talk to the audience, take requests, and dance and perform for two hours. Two hours. On a Tuesday. Oh, God. So then get up and go to the day job the next day. Wow, that's a lot. And because it was a Tuesday, there was never a ton of people there. But it's sort of like how comedians will, you know, uh, test their material out on, like, a smaller crowd before Mm -hmm. they, like, go do the Netflix special. Like, (laughs) it 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 feels like that. And, And I always appreciate those types of shows, actually, where there's less people. It's more intimate because you can really kind of experiment a little more. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd be tough from having to be up there for the two hours, but it's also, it seems to me you'd have to be tough with a smaller crowd if you're not getting the reactions that you're expecting and having to Mm -hmm. just keep going regardless of Mm -hmm. what those reactions are like. Well, part of drag in general is definitely it's like it's a mix of you know you do it for yourself and you also do it for entertainment of the audience but it is like you put yourself in a position of like being the clown like so if things aren't going well and like the audience will definitely have a visceral reaction but also that's all kind of part of it like drag is can be very humiliating and embarrassing but like you know when you're butt falls out or whatever (laughs) you know but like but that's all kind of part of it it's sort of drag is like an exercise on like keeping you on your toes uh like in at parties social situations drunk people you know somebody who's never been to a show or somebody who's super super excited to see you and wants to give you a hug and they're they're pulling your wig off like it's just chaos you have to be built for it you really do yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so I'm just realizing, I don't think I mentioned this before we got started. I did mention that this is my personal laptop and it could, we could have troubles. I also have a short window before my computer will just crash and we're getting toward okay. that window. So okay. before that happens though, I usually try to give the guest a few minutes to talk about Anything at all, usually like a side hustle or a charity or maybe an event that's coming up, a soapbox, just an opportunity for anything. It doesn't have to be drag or theater related. It could be anything at all. I think what I what I would want to say is that as somebody who, we'll, we'll call this a soapbox moment, <laughs> as, somebody, as somebody who has so much respect for women and grew up raised just by my single mom and almost all my friends are women identify kind of internally spiritually as female and Mm -hmm. my drag persona is definitely a huge expression of that i think moving forwards in the drag community and and 
you'll see some pa- some you know microaggressions and some passive aggressive actions towards drag performers with vaginas whether they're trans or uh, you know whether they're drag kings or drag queens they a lot of the time still face misogyny and and you would unfortunately you would think that the drag community would be better or that the queer community would be better but unfortunately that's not the case and a lot of the times these people feel unsafe and they feel unheard and unseen and so my main thing is just anybody who's listening scream louder for your afab performers just what we say if signed female at birth scream louder for your afab performers at your drag shows throw more money at them because they're dealing with some shit behind the scenes <laughs> uh, that is a beautiful soapbox moment thank you very much yeah. that was perfect no problem. this was delightful thank you for for taking a chance and coming on the show spending some time with me i really appreciate it not a problem hopefully we will um celebrate again at mods maybe one day <laughs> i would love to come back there it was such a good show it was the the ride there was a lot that's another story <laughs> for another day but honest to god like so lucky that Amanda and i met and she's such a talented performer and I, she was on the podcast a few episodes ago right yep. yeah amanda villa you didn't know that girl and she uh, better have me back because <laughs> Sarnia. Sarnia was so, so good. Toronto, meh. <laughs> All that, like, that's the thing is it's just so, it's so saturated. When you go to smaller cities, the love and the appreciation is there on another level. Mm-hmm. Because it's not as much, as often that, you know, we get these opportunities for queer events and stuff. So... I'm very grateful to Sarnia for having me and and to Amanda for setting it all up. And she has create is helping create a nice queer community down there. Finally. Yes. Uh, Well overdue. Feels correct. Yes, absolutely. I'll just say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you again. I hope you have a lovely evening. Hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay, kids. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Our next guest is Christopher McPherson. Can't wait. See you then.